All right, what's going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of the Bear Performance Podcast. I am your host, Nick Bear, owner of Bear Performance Nutrition, and here to talk to you today about Ironman prep. As I promised in my last episode of the podcast, I told you in this episode we'd be talking Ironman prep uh, and kind of all about what I've been doing for the past about three weeks so far, three or four weeks, and we are about 16 weeks out from the Ironman, which is November 2nd in Pensacola, Florida. Should be beautiful there, flat, and hopefully some warm water, but I'm going to talk about today what I've been doing and why I'm doing it, why I'm doing an Ironman, because if you guys know anything about my past in training, originally when I got into fitness, over 10 years ago now, it was bodybuilding, and then it was powerlifting, and then I joined the Army and discovered more endurance-type training, and then I got into CrossFit, and then I got back into endurance stuff, and my training has been all over the place. I've done bodybuilding competitions. I've done powerlifting competitions. I've gotten very heavy into metabolic conditioning and cardiovascular training. I've done two marathons so far. I've ruck-marched. 150 miles, I've ruck marched 100 miles in 30 hours, and this is the next piece that needs to fuel that fire inside me. It's that next thing that I wanted to do. And it's kind of always been a bucket list item for me. Like, I've always wanted to do an Ironman at some point in my life. And I'm going to tell you a story. This is how I accomplish things on my bucket list, and this is how I've accomplished most of the things in life. I have this idea. Okay, so I have this idea of this thing I want to do. And this is how I signed up for my, my first marathon, actually. This is how I've done almost everything. Well, I'll give you the first example, actually. When I decided I was going to ruck march 150 miles to raise money for Hurricane Harvey victims, and that was, what, two years ago? I decided, you know what? I'm going to ruck march from Austin to Houston to raise money for these victims. So... Without even thinking about it, I made a YouTube video, like a three-minute YouTube video. I posted it. I said what I was going to do. I started the GoFundMe page and started raising money instantly. And I figured, you know, I'll announce it. I'll, I'll plan for it. And then I will start to figure out the logistics and how I'm going to make this work afterwards. That's how I've done most things. That's how I started my business. That's how I set out to do the marathon. Like one day, I was like, you know what? I want to run a marathon at one point in my life. So I went in line. I found when the next marathon in Austin, Texas was going to be. It was like three months from that point. It was in February. So I signed up for it. I paid for registration. And then I was like, okay, let's make a YouTube video and start training and figure it out from there. That's how I do most things. I decide on what I want to do. And I set my mind to it. And then I figure out how I'm going to get there. Because so many people, I'm going to get on a little soapbox here. So many people are paralyzed by analysis. Analysis by paralysis. Or is it paralysis? It's paralysis by analysis. That's what it is. So many people want to do shit, but they're too afraid and they overthink it. And and it's like, how am I going to get there? It's like, I want to run a marathon. And they get in their head, well, I have to train. It's going to be difficult. I don't have time. My nutrition has to be on point. I'm not going to be able to do it. I can't do it. I'm not going to sign up. So they don't end up signing up. I'm the complete opposite in everything in life. I decide I want to do something, I either sign up for it, set my mind to it, make a YouTube video, commit to it, have other other people rely on me to to do it, 
and then I figure it out from there. That's how I've done most things in life so far, and it's worked out pretty well, and it's now a habit. And that's what I did for this Iron Man. So the story is, I decided I was going to do a 100-mile ruck march four times as fast as possible with 50 pounds on my back. So I made the announcement, decided I was going to do it, and I did 100 miles with 50 pounds on my back in 30 hours. Absolutely wrecked and destroyed me. My feet were killing me. All my toenails fell off. They're still falling off, like hanging off black and blue. And I was wrecked. And literally the day after I finished that 100-mile ruck march, I was already itching for the next thing. And to me, that next thing was Iron Man. I turned to Steph. I turned to my fiance. And I said, Steph, I want to do an Iron Man next. And she said, you know, slow down. You just did this 100-mile ruck march. Take it easy for a second. Take a breather. And then actually think this through. I said, no, I want to do an Ironman. So I hopped online. I found out when the next one that I wanted to do was. Gave me ample amount of time to train for. And was in a location that I could like, drive to. And I saw Pensacola, Florida. And I was like, oh, nice. I'm like 20 weeks out, which is perfect from what I thought. 20 weeks out in Pensacola, Florida in November was ideal for me. So I made a YouTube video. I committed to it, and then I was like, okay, now I have to figure out how I'm going to train. And that's how I committed to this Ironman. That's how I'm in this position right now. That's how I signed up. Like I said, once I commit to something and I decide on what I want to do, usually I make a video about it, YouTube video about it, announcing it, then I'm fully committed and people are relying on me. And it's like, all right, let's figure this out from there. So after I made that first YouTube video announcing it, um, this, this guy named Taryn reached out to me. He has a, a channel and a YouTube following Instagram triathlon. Taryn reached out to me and he has a podcast uh, and, and it's his thing that like he does triathlons and coaching and training and a lot of information online about it. And he reached out and he wanted to hop on a call with me to discuss what I was about to get myself into. So we hopped on a Skype call and he introduced me to his training platform called Team Trainiac, which is how I'm doing my training right now. And he talked me through some, some training scenarios, some expectations, um, what I had to, to get gear-wise, how I had to approach this sport. Because for me, this is brand new. You have to – this is a reminder. I've run before. Like I said, I've done marathons. I was in the Army for four years, so running is nothing new to me. I did a year of cross-country in high school. So I'm familiar with running, right? To me, it's it's nothing new. However, cycling and swimming are things that I really never did. Like growing up, I was able to swim in a pool, but laps and you know over a hundred meters was nothing I've ever done before. In cycling, the most biking I've ever done was like my little BMX bike when I was 15 years old, riding to my local community pool. And that's about it. So I knew I was I was in pretty deep after the talk with Taryn, and especially after looking at the training program that he provided for me. So the first thing I did after that call with him is, like, all right, I need a bike because I don't have a bike. So I went to this local shop in Round Rock here, Round Rock, Texas, called Blur Cycle Works. And I walked in, and the owner, Eric, greeted me there, and 
one of the nicest, most helpful gentlemen I've ever worked with in my life. And he almost like took me under his wing. I said, hey, I walked in the shop, said, hey, sir, I'm looking for a bike. And he's like, what are you looking for a bike for? I said, I'm doing a Ironman. And he looked at me, you know, I'm a bigger guy. And he said, have you ever done triathlon before? I said, nope. But this is how I pretty much do a lot of things in life is I have these bucket list items and there's things I want to do and accomplish them. And when I decide on them, I'm committed. I'm 100% in. There's no turning back. So he said, all right, come on in. So help me choose, choose a bike, triathlon bike with aero bars. And I got a felt carbon fiber bike, the lightest thing I've ever picked up in my life. Like I expected, I knew bikes were light, like triathlon and cycling bikes, but I could pick this thing up with my pinky. This thing is so light. So he helped me get fitted for this bike. Uh, he, he taught me how to change a flat if I needed to change a flat on the road. Um, he set it up to my measurements. He got me a helmet all set up. Um, he left the regular pedals on. Now this, this bike had like regular pedals on it like you would find on a BMX bike or a mountain bike. They didn't have like the clip which are actually called clipless pedals that I've learned. You know, when you, you have the shoes that clip into the pedals like cyclists use, those are actually called clipless pedals, which blew my mind because they're actually clips. They're not clipless, but regardless, it didn't have clipless pedals on. And we decided to keep, keep just the regular pedals on for the time being because I haven't rode a bike for years at this point, And I've never rode a road bike or a cycling bike it's always been like BMX or mountain bikes. So I had to get acclimated to riding again. So I walked in the shop, got my bike, walked out feeling like a million bucks. I'm like, all right, I got my bike. I'm ready to run. I had a new pair of Asics, you know, because my last pair of shoes from marathon prep were, were wiped. I went and got a pair of some tight little swim trunks. Like I think they're called jammers. Remember when my friends in high school were swimmers they transitioned from Speedos to Jammers, which are like tight shorts, like compression shorts. Got a pair of those, got my goggles, and our community neighbor pool has a nice pool to swim in, so I've been swimming in there. And um, Lake Travis, which is really close to us, so I was set. And I, I quickly learned after putting videos on YouTube and talking to people on Instagram that are into triathlons and the cycling and swimming and running that I am very inexperienced in this type of training. And to go from nothing to, to Ironman is a pretty big step, but hey, if you're gonna go, go big, go big, right? If you're gonna, gonna do it at all, go 100%. That's my motto. So here I am ready to train. And what's cool about the training model that Taryn provided for me, teamtrainiac.com, is you go into this platform, you sign in, and you get to choose what training techniques you do on each day. So, for example, if you want to swim on Mondays, you can swim on Mondays. If you want to ride bikes on Saturday, if you want to swim and run on, on the same day, you can choose what days you want to do what exercises, which is pretty cool. So, my setup right now is Mondays are intense runs, Tuesdays are endurance swims, Wednesday, intense bike, Thursday, endurance run, Friday, technique swim, and Saturday is 
my main brick event, which is my big cardio day. So a brick is when you do an endurance bike. So for a few hours and then immediately after you do a run, which is to imitate, you know, during the triathlon itself. And if you're not familiar with an Ironman, I guess I should announce an Ironman is a 2.4 mile swim directly into a 112 mile bike ride directly into a 26.2 mile run. So a marathon. And I'll kind of give you, and and Sundays are my off days of training. So right now as I'm recording this podcast, it's Friday. And today I had a 50-minute technique swim. Yesterday I actually had two runs to complete. Monday or in the morning and in the evening. Now tomorrow is my brick, Saturday. And then Sunday is off. So tomorrow's main endurance bike is between a 3.5 and 5.5 hour bike and it's all zone training and then immediately after that endurance bike I have a 50 minute main brick run which is going to be brutal like talk about embracing the suck that's embracing the suck two weeks ago I did a it was a two hour endurance bike with a 20 minute main brick run and after and I think the reason they call it a brick run it's just like what I believe is after you get off that bike and you start running again, your feet literally feel like bricks. Like trying to run is insane. And my, my coach, uh, Taryn, he just did an Ironman last week and he completed his, his marathon and like, don't quote me, but I think it was like three hours and 20 minutes. That's after a 2.4 mile swim and a 112 mile bike, which is crazy but so far training has been going really really well it's definitely testing me and pushing me to limits like yesterday um, with the run in the morning and the run in the evening I woke up this morning feeling like absolutely drained but I love that feeling I love the feeling of, of honestly kicking my own ass and having these workouts kick my ass and for the past couple months after after the marathon, I got back into, you know, a bodybuilding strength training routine, some metabolic conditioning here, but I took a break from, from cardio for a little bit, put some weight back on, but I just hit this point, like during training where I'm the type of person that likes switching things up a lot. I like experimenting with all these types of fitness, like not one dimensional fitness, but multi-dimensional fitness where I like going and hitting the iron and hypertrophy volume. I like going and hitting heavy compound movements for strength. I like going for a 10-mile run downtown Austin. I like doing Metcons with the boys for a hero wad. You know, I like doing body weight stuff. I like a bunch of stuff in fitness, like not one-dimensional. Because sometimes different pieces of fitness get boring, right? And I'm not, I'm not the only one that feels this way. Sometimes going in and hitting the same bicep workout, the same chest workout, the same back workout, the same run, it gets old. And to be able to switch it up keeps things interesting, keeps your mind fresh and, and is feeling good. And this has been the biggest transition because right now, you know, I've always kept hypertrophy volume and, and strength into my routines, even while training for a marathon. But right now with as high as volume is for Ironman prep, I'm only doing maybe two to three, you know, resistance training workouts in the gym a week right now. Today I hit a a push workout, which felt good, but like tomorrow after, which might be, you know, five to six hours of training, 
the last thing I'm going to want to do is go hit the weights. I'm going to want to recover. And then Sunday is my rest day from um, Ironman prep, and that's when I'll go in and I'll hit a resistance training workout. I'll probably hit back or something like that. I'm not training legs at all with resistance training during Ironman prep, but just upper body to maintain um, some sort of muscle mass and size while I'm prepping for the Ironman. Just because it's so lower body heavy that incorporating some upper body movements won't hurt, but it's just a few times a week. So that's what my training is looking like right now. And it's it's definitely a huge transition. It's definitely a learning curve when it comes to cycling and swimming. I can run all day. And I can I can beat the pavement all day. It's nothing new to me. But I'm learning so much about cycling and swimming, which I'll get into. So let's talk let's talk cycling first off. And some of the things I messed up as a new cyclist myself. So Eric at Blur Cycle Works, he hooked me up with everything, taught me how to change my flat if I get a flat. Um, he gave me all the gear I needed. And I didn't know that CO2 canisters aren't supposed to be used all the time to pump up your tires. So I didn't have an air pump for my tires. And to preface this, you, carry, you can carry CO2, little CO2 containers with you if you need an emergency pump up on a on a ride or an event you're doing. Say you get a little bit of a flat, you lose some air, take your little CO2 pump, pump that in there, and it fills your tire back up. Well, I was using CO2 to fill my tires up completely. I was blowing through these CO2 containers on my rides, and it kept leaking out. And I was like, man, what's going on? Like, am I too heavy for these bikes? What's going on? Why do I keep getting flat tires? Well, I found out through the comments on YouTube and Eric that, now, you don't want to use CO2 for your tires all the time. You want to use actual air. CO2 is just used for emergency situations. So, learning curve number one, I was doing that completely wrong. And I kept getting flats for no reason because I wasn't putting air in. I was putting CO2 in. So, that was one of the biggest pieces that I took away from cycling so far. And then I also bought a indoor trainer um, for my intense bike rides. So I'm doing my long-distance endurance bike rides outside. There's a really nice road in Central Texas, Hill Country, that it's filled with cyclists um, on the weekends. So I'll go do my long rides out there on the road. But for my intense rides, they're under an hour. I have a trainer in the garage I can throw the bike on. And that is where I get a really, really good intense workout because on the trainer – you have to constantly provide some sort of tension and resistance through your legs to keep that trainer and bike moving. When I'm on the road, if I had a downhill, I don't have to pedal, obviously. Or if I can get some momentum going and just the bike keeps going, I won't have to pedal. I can grab brakes on the on the road, but on the trainer inside, there's no brake. As soon as you stop pedaling, the bike stops moving. So I've been using the trainer inside for my intense workouts, and then I've been using just outside the roads for my long distance workouts so that's biking so far and I actually enjoy cycling like I've been enjoying it because some of the the courses and some of the roads out here in central Texas absolutely beautiful like on a Saturday morning if the sun's up and it's hot and there's a bunch of cyclists outside and I'm in the hill country the views are just amazing and it's kind of just like one of those things where I can get in a rhythm in a groove and it's almost like therapy. You, know, you, you just 
you can think and, and let loose and enjoy the views. And it's like, man, life is good right now. And it just feels good. So biking has been going, going pretty well. And then this past week, I finally transitioned out of the regular pedals, got the clipless pedals installed, got my cleats for the clipless pedals. And I used that for my intense bike ride on the trainer this week. But on Saturday, tomorrow, is the first time I'll be using them on the road. So I'm hoping that I don't tank it too many times, fall over, hurt myself while trying to unclip out of these out of these you know, clipless pedals with the cleats in any type of emergency situation. So we'll see. I'll, I'll give a follow-up after tomorrow's ride on, on how that's been going. But swimming is a completely other beast. Swimming's tough. And I'll, I'll tell you, I give credit to swimmers. I give a lot of credit to swimmers, a lot more than I did prior to learning or trying attempting how to swim. So the first day I hopped in the pool, no technique, and I did 25 meters down the pool, and I was smoked. And I was like, holy shit, how am I supposed to do 2.4 miles in open water? Like, how am I going to survive? I actually got scared for a second. I was like, I could die. I could drown during this. So I did some research, and I came across some videos, some videos by Tim Ferriss and um, some other people on YouTube, and I incorporated this technique that I'm still trying to master and perfect, and it's called total water immersion training or techniques. And essentially, you don't use your feet. You keep your body submerged underwater. You take or use less strokes to get across the water, and you can control your breathing a lot better. So I've been trying to improve and master my total immersion swimming technique based off some videos I'm watching, some training I'm doing online, and that seems to help a lot more. So in a matter of five minutes after implementing this training, I went from doing 25 meters and being smoked in the pool to doing 1,000 meters pretty comfortably in the water, which has made me obviously feel a lot better going into these next 16 weeks of prep before the Ironman itself. Now, the things that I have to get still for for the remaining prep is I have to get a swimsuit um, for the event, and I have to start training with that because I've been told that the swimsuit that you wear, and I'm looking into Roka swimsuits right now. I just want to throw, I want to find the opportunity or option to put BPN logos on everything, like BPN logos on my swimsuit, BPN logos on my triathlon suit. I just want BPN everywhere, BPN decals and, and branding all over it. But I have to get a swimsuit, and I've been told that with a swimsuit, you float a little bit. Like, it makes you more buoyant. And I'm really curious, especially in salt water too, how that feels and how that works. So um, next week, Steph and I are actually going to Ocean City, Maryland um, for a little vacation with my dad. And I'm taking, I'm going to get a swimsuit before then, and I'm going to swim in the ocean there to see what that feels like. And then we're also doing a trip in Florida before the Ironman, because I want to feel how that water, you know, feels while swimming in it um, to make it as realistic as possible. So those are the changes I've been making to to biking, cycling, and swimming. And running, what I'm really trying to improve on is I'm naturally a heel strike runner. So in the beginning of running, my strides are longer, I heel strike. 
and then my foot kind of collapses. And one of the problems I find with longer distances, and I, I've had some problems with marathon prep, is as I get fatigued, my heel strikes, and then my arch, my foot collapses, and it causes pain and discomfort through my foot up into my shins. I get some shin splints. So I'm trying to shorten my stride, midfoot strike, and one of the other techniques I've been using, because I've been listening to some podcasts, some triathlon podcasts, while cycling, um, indoors on the trainer, and while I'm running. And one of the techniques I was hearing people talk about is not to chicken wing with your arms and use your arms to your advantage and creating like a triangle uh, with with your forearms and where they meet like in your hands, almost like your fist meet together and it forms a triangle from your fist down your forearms in that kind of motion. And I'm using that technique in my running. So I'm working the training, I'm doing the volume. Volume is obviously gonna increase leading up to the event. And I was looking at some of the training like in September, maybe two months out from, from the Ironman and some of those days are like six hour bike rides, two hour runs, like eight hours a day of training, which I'm actually really excited for. I'm excited to get my body to that level of conditioning that it's never been before in my life. That's, I think that's the most exciting part of this whole journey and process for me is because I'm going to experience my body like I've never experienced it before. Obviously, I've done endurance stuff. I've been in shape. I've been able to run marathons. I've done cardiovascular training in the military. I did um, I did cross country for a year in high school, which is some of the best shape I've ever been. But this is a completely different beast. So in like October, November, I can't wait to see what my level of conditioning is like cardiovascular wise and what my body looks like because I'm fully prepared to lose 20, 25 pounds in the next 16 weeks leading up to this event. I actually want to lose some weight because I started this prep at about 215 pounds. Right now, I'm a little less than 210 pounds, and I want to keep losing weight to make this Ironman more comfortable, to make training more comfortable. And I'm making some changes to to diet and nutrition, but primarily, I'm going to lose the weight through training itself. Like I've been tracking uh, everything through my Garmin. I've been getting a lot of questions I'm using the Garmin 735 XT to track mileage, to track steps. Uh, it's a GPS watch, so um, it'll track like my minute per mile pace. And I'm using the Garmin for everything, and I'm loving it so far. Absolutely recommend this watch. But the amount of calories I'm going to expend, the deeper in, into this prep and the higher volume gets, will be insane. And nutrition-wise... This is something I really want to talk about because uh, everyone's asked the question like, oh, your carbs must be like 800 grams. Your calories must be like 10,000 calories. Well, actually right now they're not. And I'm going to preface this by saying nutrition is very individually specific to the person. Nutrition is relative to the individual that is training and the type of training they're doing. So I'll give you an example. Like when I was really into bodybuilding and trying to put on size, I was eating 600 grams of carbs a day. And I felt like absolute dog shit. I was lethargic. I was tired. I felt heavy. 
Um, I would get really burnt out and exhausted and crash after a meal just from all the carbs. So over the years, like what I found, and I went to school for nutrition and we've, we've studied this, and I use my own body as an experiment to myself. Too many people, man, will use like science and data from studies that might have been done on a small sample that don't have very significant results. Too many people will just use the studies and clinical, uh, clinical results from studies to build a plan for themselves. And obviously that's a great starting point. Those are great resources and references, but you also have to take into account what your body requires and how you feel best. So I know from personal experience over years that 600 grams of carbs for me, for me feels awful. Feels like shit. What I feel best on is lower carbs and not like ketogenic level carbs, but I'd say an average day for me and not like yesterday because it was more intense cardio, but a day like today where it's just 50 minutes of swimming and I did about an hour and a half of resistance training, my nutrition was probably going to be at the end of the day, 250 grams of protein, 200 grams of carbs, and like 120 grams of fat. So my first meal is typically just BPN strong greens to get micros in. We might juice sometimes with like beets, celery, carrots, um, ginger, turmeric, stuff like that, and throw the strong greens in with that. And then I'll do five to six whole eggs, sometimes Ezekiel bread toast, sometimes just the carbs, or, or sometimes, excuse me, just the protein and fats from the eggs. And then for lunch, it's typically uh, it's like some some ground turkey, ground beef, chicken, and rice, a little bit of rice. And then my third meal might be a protein shake. And then at night is carb heavy where it's some source of protein, veggies, uh, high fat through like olive oil, coconut oil, uh, some other added fats. And then that's where I get a lot of my carbs in. But typically it's around 200 grams. Now tomorrow with my long endurance bike and brick run, Tomorrow's carbs will be high. Like tomorrow's carbs might be 400, 500 grams because I will take intra-workout nutrition. So I'll be using carbs during my workout through cluster dextrin, carb 10. I'll be using electrolytes and I'll be consuming that during the bike into the run to fuel myself throughout that race or throughout that event and training in preparation to get my body f ready for what it's going to experience at the Ironman. So my, my current nutrition, believe it or not, it's not meant to be carb cycling, but I'm using carbs around training based off of what my training is for that day. So if, if there isn't a lot of endurance stuff and it's not endurance heavy, my carbs might be lower and fats might be higher because I operate better on a higher amount of fats and moderate carbs. But if I'm using a lot of carbs around my training, then the day's carbs are going to be higher. And I've been doing a lot of research on this lately in terms of endurance athletes. Like what works better? What works better in terms of high fat, low carb or low fat, high carb? If I said those right, high carb, 
versus low carb and high fat versus low fat in combination. And if you look at the the research that they've shown, you know, it's it's for one personal preference and what works best for that athlete. Two, it is what type of training it is. If it's very low intensity for a long period of time, your body will metabolize fat and use fat as an energy source, but it will also use carbohydrates as an energy source as you're feeding it for intra-workout fuel. Now, more intense type exercise that's faster paced, it won't have the time to metabolize or metabolize this fat and turn it into energy. So carbs are probably a better option. So if I'm going to go do a sprint or a hit training workout, I probably want carbs to use as fuel. But if I'm going to be doing a long distance steady state bike, you know, maybe I'll metabolize fat better and use that as fuel. But I think they should be using combination. So, you know, using fat and metabolizing that as fuel, but also having carbs to use as, you know, quick acting sources of energy as well. I don't think you should go keto and I don't think you should go low fat going into something. It's what works for you, but it's also having a balance of those two sources of energy throughout your training, depending on how long that training is going to be. And I mean, we could talk about this all day and I'll probably have a topic um, on, on race day nutrition as it is the closer I get to the Ironman. But, you know, obviously in the swim, you're not able to fuel up at all during the bike is when you fuel up. So you use gels, uh, you eat whole foods, um, you drink liquid carbohydrates like, you know, Gatorade and stuff like that during the bike on the Ironman is when you want to get as much fuel and as many calories in as possible with electrolytes to prepare you for the run so you don't crash. So like I said, that's another topic for a completely different podcast, which will go deeper in depth of what I'm planning to do. But right now, 16 weeks out is when you start experimenting with that. So how does my body react to say 30 grams of carbs and 600 milligrams of sodium? And how often do I need it to replenish what I'm losing during the race. So like tomorrow I'll probably do probably do 60 grams of carbs and maybe 600 milligrams of sodium every hour and experiment with that while I'm on the bike the entire time. While I'm on the bike, I'll probably also have some some whole foods like a nutritional bar or two to get some solids in there um, and then see how that carries me into the run. But what I like about triathlon training and Ironman prep so far is it has to be very strategic. You know, you can't just come off the street and be like, I'm going to do an Ironman tomorrow and see how it goes. Well, in that case, you know what? You might die, to be honest, uh, or it's going to be very difficult. You're not going to make the time breaks. There's a lot of planning and logistically a logistical planning involved in completing an Ironman, and it's very strategic from you know, how you carry your gear, what gear you use, how you transition from the swim to the bike and the bike to the run, how often you're consuming carbohydrates and sodium, potassium, and your electrolytes, and when you have to eat whole food throughout that bike to prepare you for the run. And at what point on the run is your breaking point? Like, where do you expect to hit that wall? Because it should all be planned for and anticipated based off of your training leading up to 
And that's what really interests me as opposed to things I've done in the past is there is so much testing involved in training to do your best on this race, on this day. And that's what I'm excited for. So that's been the last about four weeks of my life and what I've been learning and getting into and training for. And it's been fun. You know, anytime you do a new sport or a new event uh, or something's a, a learning curve for you, it's refreshing. It's new. It's, it's hard. And admitting that it's hard and admitting that you have to learn and you want to be taught and need to be taught by experts or people that have experiences in this field, you have to be willing to accept that. And when you're willing to accept that and bite off a little piece of humble pie, like, I need help help me please, then you can really advance in your, your physical fitness. You know, if this for me is, it's one, a bucket list, but two, it's, it's finding out where my 100% is, how far can I push myself, what it feels like, and how fit can I be? Like, how fit am I, and what level of physical fitness can I reach in my life? And this is just one of the pieces of the pie. So, that is the episode of the podcast I look forward to taking you guys through the journey of the next about 16 weeks of prep into the Ironman, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So, we'll see you in the next episode.